I'm entitling this morning's word from slavery to freedom. And I just want to tell you a story or read you a story based on real life. A long time ago in the Middle East, there was a young man who was a slave in the household of a very rich and prosperous businessman. Now, earlier on in his life, it appeared that either this young lad or his family had fallen on hard times, which led ultimately to his being sold into slavery. Fortunately, the person who purchased him was a kind and benevolent man who was looking for a healthy slave to serve him on his vast estate. Although the young man appeared to fit quite well into the new master's household, it continued to irk him day after day that he'd lost his freedom and he saw no way of being able to get out of slavery. He found himself dwelling on his misfortune every single moment and viewing his master's great wealth with much envy. There came a day when he decided to plan his own escape and he determined not to go away empty-handed. On that particular day, he spied his chance when the master was out on his estate and the other slaves were all busy in the house and fields. He lifted a few valuable items into a sack and made his getaway through a side door where no one was about. And very soon he found himself back out in the big wide world, now a free man once again. He traveled to a large city where he made a new acquaintance who quickly introduced him to a friend whom he thought could help him on his journey to freedom. It just so happened that this friend turned out to be a Christian pastor and an evangelist and an important church leader who told him he needed to give his life to Jesus Christ. He was the only person who could set him free from his sins and his past. He told him also that he'd have to return to his master and ask for his forgiveness for running away and stealing from him. The young runaway slave did give his life to the Lord and he began to wholeheartedly serve this new master, Jesus Christ. One of the ways he did that was devoting himself to being useful and helping the Christian leader in any way he could. This Christian leader taught the young man much about being part of God's kingdom and indeed, the former slave's life was turned around completely. So eventually a letter was written by the Christian leader and, and to the wealthy owner and master of this slave, begging him to receive the young man back into his household and to forgive him for all his wrong actions. I'm gonna stop that narrative there because I want to ask if anybody recognizes that story at all. Vic does, okay, Vic? What is it? Yes, we're, it's from uh, Philemon, it's Onesimus. Yeah. Absolutely great. It's actually a book in the Bible <coughs> called Philemon, but it's a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to him, a very powerful letter. It's only one chapter, 25 verses, and I, I'm not going to read the epistle to you today, but I want you to turn to it, to refer to it. It's after Titus, before Hebrews, because I will make reference to verses this morning. Um, there is such a lot that you can ponder on and, and the significance of it in our own lives is very important. <clears throat> now Philemon verse two tells us that the wealthy slave owner was a leader of a church in uh, a place in his, in his own house in a place called Colossae in West Turkey. He owned a slave called Anisimus. And verse 19 suggests that he himself had become a Christian under Paul, Paul's ministry. 
Uh, because Paul writes these words to him. He says, I don't need to remind you, do I, that you owe your very life to me. That's the message Bible. The NIV puts it like this, not to mention you owe me your very self. So he'd become a Christian under Paul's apostolic ministry. And it would appear from the book and the letter that Anisimus had absconded, possibly with some of his master's possessions. And then he made his way into Rome. Now, having come into contact with the Apostle Paul, he was converted to Christianity and began to serve Paul and minister to his personal needs because Paul was under house arrest at this time, probably about AD 60, 61. So I want to look at what happened to Onesimus, what the events were, why Paul wrote this letter, because it's a powerful story of redemption. And we can learn a lot about ourselves and our own salvation. So firstly, I want to look at this young man's past, his past. This is all about a broken relationship. For whatever reason, Anisimus was a slave in Philemon's household. His duty was to serve his matter no matter what, whether he was a good man or a tyrant. Now, at that time, if a slave ran away from his master and having stolen possessions as well, if and when he was found, Roman law allowed the, uh, the master to punish him in any way he sought fit, even having the slave executed if he desired. Slavery was very common in the Roman Empire and there were Christians who were also slave owners. Now, Paul doesn't make any condemnation of this practice in this letter because it's not the time or place to deal with this issue but he does teach us in Galatians 3 verse 28 there's neither slave nor free in Christ and Ephesians 6 verse 9 5 to 9 tells us how owners should treat their slaves and how slaves should behave and he teaches that the Christian slave and the Christian master are equal in God's sight they're part of his family and both need salvation um, now when Paul so heard his sad story and discovered the truth about his background then he proceeded to witness to him about the saving grace of Jesus. No doubt Paul would have told Onesimus initially that not only did he have a broken relationship with his earthly master Philemon but also he couldn't enjoy a relationship with God because of his sins. So Paul had the joy of leading Onesimus to Christ and seeing him set free spiritually this is a spiritual freedom he experienced when he willingly submitted his past life to Jesus. Onesimus had the joy of his sins forgiven and the knowledge that he was a true son of God and a part of his family. No longer a slave, spiritually a slave, but he was a true son of God. So Paul writes to Philemon, who's the injured party in this story, he doesn't know about any of this, to let him know that Onesimus has become a believer, just like he is a follower of Jesus. Uh, verse tell, 10 tells us that Paul says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. What a wonderful thing to happen to Paul and to Onesimus at that time. So just as Philemon had been converted under Paul's ministry, so too Onesimus became a believer through the ministry of Paul whilst he was under house arrest. Now this is a beautiful picture we have here of our own salvation. Because our spiritual journey is one where we weren't able to enjoy a relationship at all with God because of our sinfulness. The Bible tells us in Romans that we just read, we were once slaves to our sinful nature. It's only through the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection that we've been set free 
from our past. Once we put our trust in Jesus Christ, then we entered a new life of freedom. We are able to enjoy a personal relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. That relationship was broken before, but is now restored because of Jesus. So we don't have to live any longer being enslaved to sin in our lives because the old ways have gone and the new life has come. That scripture is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'm sure you all know that. Mm. I want to ask you today, if you know with a certainty, absolutely no doubt that your old life, your past life has gone, the new life of Jesus has come. You need to ask that question today. Are you living a new life in Jesus? Have you been completely set free from your past today? Are there any things that hang over you that still trouble you? Are there things in your life that continue to enslave you? Because 2 Peter 2 verse 19 tells us, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Mm. So in spiritual terms, if there are things in our lives that are mastering us and dominating us, then we are still slaves. So if you're troubled by besetting sins or even addiction of some sort in your life, then today Christ can set you completely free to enjoy a new life in him. And that's what happened to Onesimus. Someone told him about Paul. He met Paul and he found out about Jesus. And because someone told us about the fact that Jesus died for us, we were able to respond to that gospel message. So too, we should be willing to share our testimony with other people. The good news of the gospel that has saved us and set us free and set us on the path to heaven and eternal life. We should be sharing that message with others. How much do you and I desire to see other people find Jesus as Savior? Is it a burning passion in our hearts like it was in Paul's heart? Do we rejoice in what the Lord has done for us? And does it cause us to pray for other people who need to find him? Paul, even though he was living in restricted circumstances under house arrest in Rome, he still had that passion to share his faith with others he came into contact with. He didn't allow his confinement to prevent him from sharing the gospel. And we don't allow the lockdown or anything in our lives to prevent us from sharing about Jesus. So at this point in the narrative, we observe that the young man's relationship with his earthly master Philemon had broken down, still not restored. And at some point he has got to address this issue and resolve it. So let's look secondly at his present situation, the here and now. This is all about his new position. At the point of the letter being written, Onesimus was enjoying a completely new standing as a free man within Paul's household. His position had totally altered, and not only that, he was a changed young man. Until this point as a slave, he would have had no personal, enjoyed any personal rights at all. He was the exclusive property of his master and slave owner. He didn't have any expectations of freedom. However, we re read that he made himself useful to Paul, but not as a slave. He made himself useful as a friend and as a fellow brother in the ministry. What a, a transformation had taken place in his life under Paul's roof. In verse 11, Paul says, Onesimus had become useful to him. Now, this is very interesting because the name Onesimus means useful or profitable. The present day usefulness of this young man contrasts sharply with his past when it seemed that he was no longer useful to his master because he ran away from him. 
no use at all. However, since his conversion, it appears he began to live up to his name, what his name truly meant. Paul was anxious to let Philemon know that not only had he become a Christian, but he changed into someone who was very useful to him in the work of God. Because his character and his priorities are now changed radically through his conversion. And as a Christian brother and as a free man, he was a person who was of great help and support to Paul. Now, I want you to note that during this time of serving Paul, uh, not only had he been in a time of change, but he was also in a time of waiting. We don't know for certain how long he was with Paul during his house arrest, but the interval of waiting meant that he could serve Paul in different ways. And the waiting and the serving, serving gave him time to reflect upon his occupation, his present occupation, being involved in the ministry with Paul. It gave him time to think about his future, what was going to happen. It gave him time to think about important decisions that he would have to make at some point. Now, Paul knew and recognized that one day Onesimus would need to return to Philemon, who'd been responsible for him as his earthly master. And Paul addresses Philemon in verse one as our dear friend and fellow worker, because they were both involved in ministry. And so, too, was Onesimus. Philemon was a house leader, church house leader. So he tells Philemon in verse seven, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you brother have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. He's reminding Philemon here, their co-workers together in seeing people's lives change by the power of God. Both of them are sharing in the same ministry of reaching out to other people with the gospel. So his earnest desire is that Philemon would see Onesimus in a different light, not just as a runaway slave, but as an equal brother and fellow worker in Christ, one who serves willingly and is now useful to the kingdom. That's what his name means, useful. So just as Jesus had become the savior of Onesimus' life and destiny, he also became his friend. He who'd been a slave and lowly in position was now in a relationship with Jesus as his friend. We too have been freed from all our past sins. And the Bible tells us Jesus is our friend because John 15 verses 14 to 15 tells us that Jesus said to his disciples these words, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father I've made known to you. Now, just like Onesimus, we have a new standing in Christ, don't we? A new position because of what Jesus has done for us. Onesimus had been in this time of waiting, I don't know how long for, waiting upon Paul, serving his needs, waiting to be returned and restored to Philemon and the household, waiting for reconciliation with his earthly master and slave owner. Time of waiting. You know, waiting time is never ever wasted and it can be very good and beneficial for us. We've all known times of waiting, haven't we? Sometimes we don't like it. We don't understand the reason for it, but there is always a reason why God allows us to wait. You may ask the question why, but you don't always get the answer straight away. Toby Mack, who's a Christian songwriter and author, says this about times of waiting. Do not underestimate what God is doing in your season of waiting. 
So are you in a season of waiting at the moment in your life? Are you waiting for God to open doors in your life? Has the recent year of lockdown presented difficulties for you that have caused you to have to wait for dreams to be fulfilled or for prayers to be answered? Are you in a time of waiting when God has allowed things to happen to you? Maybe things you didn't want to happen, but they've happened so that you will learn what he wants to teach you. This is what was happening to Onesimus. He was learning so much about his past, his present, and what his future would be. Are we, like Onesimus, willing to serve at the lowest level? He was serving Paul in his need. Are we willing to serve the Lord with all our hearts because of our love for him? You know, we're all on a spiritual journey. Sometimes we want to take a shortcut and reach our destination a little bit sooner. But God allows obstacles to block our way and on our chosen pathway in order to, sorry, to, to allow obstacles to block our chosen pathway to allow him to uh, cause us to stop and wait and to learn what his ways are because his ways are different to our ways. Like Onesimus, we must allow times of waiting to challenge us, to shape us, to teach us lessons about ourselves and truths about God and to find out his will for our lives. Sometimes times of waiting are permitted to teach us patience and endurance or to show us that God has better plans for us and we actually envisage for ourselves. As we've had quoted this morning, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. He does have good plans for you and for me, for each of us this morning. And when we can't see the way ahead, we need to wait patiently on him and allow him to change situations on our behalf to make us into the people he can use for his glory. Now we've looked at the young man's past. He had a broken relationship with his earthly master and a broken relationship with God. We've seen his present situation. He's been restored and forgiven, set free. He's now serving as a fellow worker with Paul in the ministry. But what of his future? Let's have a look finally at his future. This is all about restitution and reconciliation. Because in this letter, Paul addresses the issue of returning Onesimus to Philemon, who is still his earthly owner. He still owns him by right. However, he is at pains to point out in verse 16 that Onesimus has been transformed from a slave into a dear brother. And he asks that Onesimus should be welcomed back into his household. And he uses these words, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. What a tall order he's asking Philemon here to welcome him back into his home and don't see him as a slave, but see him as a dear brother in the Lord. He wants Philemon to understand that Onesimus has been forgiven by God and set free by Jesus and he's a fellow believer. And he reminds Philemon, you've also been forgiven by the Lord. So you're both equal in God's eyes. So Philemon needs to learn to love Onesimus with unconditional love that causes him to forgive his brother. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 15, 16, sorry, that God is love. This love is all about unconditional agape love. If this verse is true about God, then it means he's also the God of forgiveness. Because God 
God's love and God's forgiveness walk hand in hand together. Unconditional love and forgiveness have to walk together because when a person repents and asks for forgiveness, God's love redeems that person, forgives that person graciously. One of the many Hebrew names of God is Elohim, Selikor, Selikor. And the reference to this name of God being Elohim, Selikor, is in Nehemiah 9, verse 16, when the uh, Levites and the Jews were praying this prayer and saying to God, our ancestors, re ancestors refused to listen. That's Nehemiah 9, verse 16 to 17. And they say, they forgot the miracles that you performed for them. They became stubborn and they appointed a leader to take them back to slavery in Egypt. But you are a forgiving Elohim, one who is compassionate, merciful, patient, and always ready to forgive. You never abandon them. This is the Elohim Selikor who forgives when we ask God to forgive us for our sins. So Philemon has got to learn how to love and forgive this errant slave. The responsibility is on him, just as he himself has been forgiven by God. Now, this is total restoration and reconciliation on an amazing scale in every complete sense to love and forgive someone who's done something so terrible. Paul is asking him not only to be willing to forgive him and welcome him back into the household, but to see him not simply as his former slave, but to see him as a fellow brother and as an equal in Christ. That's much harder to do if you're the um, slave owner to see a former slave as an equal with you. But that's what Jesus' love and grace makes us. We are equal with each other. There's neither slave nor free, the Bible says. It's an absolutely incredible message. And it could never have happened if these two men were unbelievers. So Philemon has to love his brother in Christ. Paul even dares to tell Philemon that Onesimus can now be useful to him in the ministry. Because he says in verse 11, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. In other words, he can serve you in the ministry, not particularly as a slave, but in useful ways as serving Jesus, really. So for restoration to take place between these two men, there has to be forgiveness given to the former slave by his master. Paul goes even further in his plea on behalf of this young man because he offers to pay back any debts the young man owes. Verse 18, if he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me and I will pay it back. So we don't know what he might have taken out of the household. It could have been that he took a few items. It could have been that he stole money. Paul was willing to make total restitution to Philemon for any financial losses he has incurred through the slave running away. He probably had to buy another slave to replace him. Therefore, Paul is offering him a blank check to cover those debts. What an act of grace and love. Paul's act here of grace and love is a picture and a representation of the price that Jesus paid for you and for me on the cross to gain our spiritual freedom. He, he paid it not with money, but with his own life on the cross. Now we assume that Onesimus returned to his former master and there was now a new relationship between them, that of brothers and friends in Christ. We're not told how the story ends. We just have to know that God's grace works like that. The new relationship could only be forged because of the freedom 
that they both found in Jesus that would bring about total restoration. They can now be reconciled as Christian brothers. And how wonderful that Paul had been prepared to pay any amount of restitution in order to facilitate this process. Whether Philemon ever claimed any monetary charges, we're not told. But this is a true story that represents a beautiful picture of love and mercy and grace, the very things we've experienced through Jesus. There was a very famous book written once by Victor Hugo called Les Miserables. I guess some of you have heard about that book. You've probably even been to see the play. It tells of a man named Jean Valjean who had been a thief and he was also an ex-convict. And whilst out of prison one day, he found himself in desperate need. And a priest helped him and provided for his needs. But when he left the priest, he repaid his kindness by stealing silverware from his house. When he's caught with the goods, the priest is found and he insists that he's given those gifts of silverware to Jean Valjean. And so the man walked free. Now the act of grace that that priest did allowed this man to have a real purpose in his life that of becoming a reformed character to change his ways. And he attained the position of a prosperous businessman and mayor of his local town. That's just part of the story of Les Miserables. But it's a very powerful story of redemptive grace. How much more has the Lord done for you and me? When we begin to understand and recognize what the Lord has done for us, it should help us to appreciate all the more the short, what the short epistle this letter is telling us it's telling us that sin once separated us from God we broke his laws but God's forgiveness has emancipated us and set us free his love grace and mercy have reconciled us to the father we now have a new relationship with him so just as Onesimus was reconciled to God he then had to be reconciled to his earthly master you and I have been reconciled to our Heavenly Father, but I want to ask some questions as I finish now. Is there someone in your life or in your past with whom you need to be reconciled? Does that person need your forgiveness? Or do you need to be forgiven by someone? Take time to think about the truths of this short letter written so very many years ago. Make sure you're reconciled with that particular person in your life. It's important that things are put right before we enter heaven so that relationships can be fully restored. <coughs> Love and forgiveness walk hand in hand. Now, I trust that this lovely book and letter written by Paul to Philemon has been and will be a real blessing to you in the future as you continue to ponder upon its truth. And may you get great joy from reading it. May you get even some more wonderful thoughts than I've had this morning. May God bless you. Amen.